everybody gets excited when they think they have a great idea, right? We all have that friend that thinks they have that million or billion dollar business idea. They're coming for you, Jeff Bezos. And a lot of people get excited about this cool book idea that they have, even though we all know they've been talking about that book for the last 10 years, and they're never going to write that book because they just prefer talking about it. And also as songwriters, we get really excited about great song ideas. And you know what? Great song ideas are a good thing. But today, we're going to talk about how I think song ideas overall, like most ideas, are cheap. And what that means to us as songwriters. We're going to talk about it right now. Hello. Friend. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. Today we are talking about how song ideas are cheap. If you're wondering why I feel the need to talk about this, it's because I hear constantly in so many different realms, everybody getting so excited about this great new idea, right? Like ideas are just people treasure ideas. But the weird thing is, if you think about it, ideas in and of themselves are almost worthless, right? Everybody has ideas. Everybody has a bunch of ideas. Everybody has good ideas even, right? It doesn't mean those good ideas are a bad thing or that they're worthless or they have no value. They just have extraordinarily limited value, right? And I think people tend to get overexcited about ideas. Then another aspect of this is the how many people I think have the songwriting process all wrong. And by all wrong, what I really mean is they don't even have any kind of process at all, which I think is a problem because anything that you want to be able to do better, anything you want to be able to do more efficiently, process, right? Like, and it's not that you're making it a science necessarily, right? Because we want to let the creative process be what it needs to be per, on a per song basis somewhat. But at the same time, having some sort of process allows us to remove some of the roadblocks it, that can be in the way with anything, really, but especially with creative things. But that's really true of anything, right? If you have a process, you have certain steps to go through that helps to make things easier. That's why I have my six-step lyric writing guide free. Link in the description below. Pick that up. This is partially influenced by the first section I talk about, about idea gathering. And I try to convince you that, well, today, well, I'm going to try to convince you, really, that what I'm talking about in that first section, that first step of just gathering ideas, that that's super helpful. That's great. But you have to put in, in context, and context is the wrong way of putting it. You have to put in per perspective that a great idea is, is good, right? We all want a lot of great ideas, but like one great idea has never made anyone anything, right? Like you may say, oh, well, like the iPhone for Apple. No, no, no. The idea was good, but the idea had already sort of been done. The, the smartphone was not invented by Apple. It was the execution that was done well, right? Execution always matters far more. There's countless examples with businesses and, and just in life, right? Where like uh, somebody had a good idea, but somebody else implemented it well. And the winner is always the person or the company or the whatever that implemented it well, which means as songwriters, it's a little less important that you have this creative song idea than that you execute the song well, right? So that's what we're going to dive into today, talking about that, because you want to follow that first step in the lyric writing process. And really, this is sort of the songwriting process in general. 
generate song seeds, have a bunch of song ideas going, right? Like I like to have somewhere around a hundred song ideas always. And you know what? Most of those will never get made into songs, but that's okay because I have so, so many ideas that the more ideas I build up, I'm going to only pick the best ones or the ones that I'm most well-equipped to write, which we're going to get into that a little bit as well. But the first thing I want to look at is, okay, my title. Why did I choose the word cheap? I said song ideas are cheap. I didn't say they're worthless. I didn't say that they're no good or good song ideas aren't helpful. I didn't say that. I said they're cheap. So what's that, what, what does cheap mean? Well, for insight on what cheap means in this context, let's look at some antonyms, which means the opposite of, if it's been a while since you've been in English class, um, for cheap. And there's two that come to mind for me that uh, specifically, I think, help to address this. And the first one is precious. And the second one is valuable. Again, these are the opposites, right? So what is precious? When you think of precious, what do you think of? Well, A, you might think of Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, but also like precious stones, right? You know, a diamond is a, is a, is a precious stone or, or a, a ruby, right? Which last I checked anyway, ruby is the most expensive stone on the planet, right? It's worth more than a diamond. But what makes those things precious, right? Why, why is a ruby worth more than a diamond? Well, it's because it's rare, right? There's a rarity to it. You don't just walk down the street and see a ruby lying there, right? You do walk down the street and see, oh, look, another gray rock. You do walk down the street and say, oh, look, some more dirt. Or look, green grass, right? Ooh. Or if you live in Ohio, like I do, you think, ooh, there's another cornfield. Wow, big whoop, right? Nothing precious about that because it's everywhere, right? Just like McDonald's isn't precious. Are you excited when you drive by a McDonald's? Probably not because there's probably 10 in your hometown, right? I mean, my hometown back in Massachusetts of like 45,000 people, I think we had three McDonald's and four Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts was the only thing that had McDonald's. If you're from New England, I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, we, we have more... We don't have more Dunkin' Donuts than churches, but but it, it 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 there's a competition to be had there. Just saying, just for frame of reference, how many Dunkin' Donuts there are, or Dunkin' now. But anyway, so precious, right? There's a certain rarity to something for it to be precious. You wouldn't consider something precious if it's not rare and valuable, right? So. What, what gives something value? Now, this can be financial value, sure, but value is really a, a bigger word. And generally speaking, value is sort of, you know, what, what demand requires of something, right? So, for example, on specifically why ideas are cheap and not valuable. If you've ever watched Shark Tank... Somehow, if you don't know what Shark Tank is, basically, there's a bunch of investors, high-profile investors, you know, super rich, have a lot of money. They're looking for new business ideas to invest in. So people, as a reality show, if you will, come in and pitch their idea. And then the sharks can determine, like, hey, I'll give you, 
you know, I'll give you 10 million for 35% or, you know, 65% of your company controlling shares. And then I also want, you know, 10% of, of all profits or something, whatever they negotiate deals. And then, you know, some people walk in and get no deal. Some people walk in and the sharks are all fighting just to get to do um, something with, with this person or this group of people who are doing the pitch. So if you've ever watched that show, the sharks never, ever, ever say something like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, I'll give you X amount of dollars for X amount of percent of the company or for, you know, X amount of the profits of the company for the next 30 years, whatever. That never happens. Never, ever. There's never been an idea that came to Shark Tank. Even the, a lot of brilliant ideas. Never, ever. Has a shark been like, oh, I'll invest on that based on the idea? They always ask about the numbers. They say, well, how are your sales? What do your profits look like? What's your profit margins, right? Because no matter how good an idea something is, it alone is not worth anything, right? Ideas are cheap. There are plenty of good ideas. TiVo was a great idea, but it wasn't done well enough. It wasn't marketed well enough. It fell apart and now it's worthless, right? Yahoo search was a great idea. Google came along and did it much better, right? So ideas, you need to back off from the idea that like, ooh, I have a song idea, write it down. I'm done for the day. Like I can feel good about myself. I came up with a good idea today. Like, no, no, no. Good for you. You came up with a good idea. Maybe tomorrow you might look at your list of ideas and be like, wait, I thought that was a good idea yesterday. I didn't think I, you know, had anything to drink, but apparently I had 30 beers because uh, that, that, that that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Maybe you experienced that. I, I, I do not because I don't drink beer. But anyway, not the point. <laughs> so, um, so the sharks always care about, okay, but the execution. Have you already proven that this actually has value in the marketplace? Right. So in your case, for the song, have you actually started to write the song? Have you proven that this song idea can work and that it will actually be good? And just in general, on the ideas are cheap. I'm always going to take great execution of a pedestrian idea over a great idea with pedestrian execution. And this is getting into my other major point here. Execution is everything. Good ideas just help make getting to great execution easier and sometimes faster, right? Sometimes it's faster and easier to write a great song because you have this really novel, interesting, cool idea, which is great. And I know I've used this example before. And if you're not a Star Wars fan, please forgive me. But it's relevant enough in culture that even if you've never watched a Star Wars, which, come on, how? Unless you're one of those people that, like, weirdly takes pride in never seeing a Star Wars, don't be that person. It's so weird. Like, it's fine to not be interested in Star Wars. And no, this isn't about stuff, but let's just address this for a moment. It's totally fine to not be interested in Star Wars. That's totally okay, right? That's fine. But to, like, be proud of of not even giving something a chance that is by far the most culturally impactful, like greatest film franchise ever. Like 
Really? Like, don't take pride in that. Just, it's fine. If you don't want to, fine. If you want to, fine. If you love it like I do, fine. Like, none of those things is something to take pride in. Like, I'm not proud of loving Star Wars. And you shouldn't be proud of not even giving it a chance. Like, that's like a child being like, I'm proud of the fact. Or not a child. This is like a 20-year-old saying, I'm proud that I never gave in when mom said, eat your broccoli. I never gave in. And I'm proud of that. Like, you just sound like an idiot child. Anyway. It's fine. I just want to let you know, don't be that person. And I kindly ask you to maybe change your mind a little bit. And be a little open-minded and not think that you're cool just for hating on something that other people like. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, we're not hating. Just not even giving it a chance and taking pride in that thing. It's weird. Anyway, Star Wars. I have oftentimes argued, and most people will agree with me on this, and because it's, in, in my mind, it's objectively true. The concept of the prequels, which are the ones that lots of people hate on, is much more interesting and much cooler than the concept of the sequels. The concept of the sequels is just a basic hero's journey story. There's a big bad empire that's all evil, and the farm boy wins in the end, right? Like, yes, there's wrinkles in it, the I am your father, and yes, and it's executed to perfection, or at least it's executed extraordinarily well, generally, especially episode five. But really, the story in and of itself, the universe is brilliant. Certain plot twists are brilliant. But like the the basic story is kind of like, yeah, okay. There's been like his hero's journey, right? But the story of how the dark side comes to power in episode one through three and what Sidious does in order to rise to power, playing both sides and all that, brilliant. It's awesome. The execution, though, isn't very good. And if you notice, everybody loves the original trilogy, and then the prequels people are split on, right? Some of us lean towards defending it, even if I think, oh, man, it could have been so much better. I still enjoy them overall. And then some people are just haters and say they're horrible, blah, blah, blah. They're not even Star Wars, blah, 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 right? Everybody loves the original trilogy, though. Because it was executed well. Yes, it's Hero's Journey. Yes, the story isn't that much to write home about. The concepts like the Force and the universe, yes, that's all super cool, original, cool stuff. But the story really is not. Doesn't matter. Because the execution is good. And like I said before, TiVo, right? Great idea, bad execution. There were smartphones before the iPhone. Do you even remember what they were? No, you don't. Because it doesn't matter. Because the iPhone's what came around and made it actually good. And now everybody has a smartphone except for your weird uncle who lives off the grid in the middle of Montana or Canada or something like that. Just way out on that uncle. Yes. Still a flip phone or a rotary phone in his cabin? Yes. Everybody else you know? No. They have a smartphone now. Might not be an iPhone, but it's 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 50% of the time it probably is a smart, an iPhone. So always, always, always great execution plus pedestrian idea. 
is going to do better and is a better thing than great idea and pedestrian execution. So here's the thing. How good of a song you end up writing is all people care about, right? Because if you write a bad song, nobody cares about like, oh, it was a good idea though, right? Like, for example, if you are into Star Wars and maybe you are a prequel hater, just right now might be the first time that somebody said to you, hey, look, the the basic story and the idea and plot, basic plot line of one through three is a lot more interesting and cool and, and different, right? The bad guys win at the end of episode three and how it's done is very brilliantly. You may have never even thought of that because you were too busy being concerned about what is at the end of the day more important, the execution, right? Nobody listens to a song and says, wow, what a great idea that was, but what a terrible song, right? People don't say that. They just say, oh, that was a good song or that was not a good song how good the original idea was. You might not even know what the original idea was, first of all. Second of all, even if you can tell what the like idea of the overall song was, assuming that was the original idea and the idea didn't evolve as they were, as they were writing the song, you don't care. You might care if the song is great and you say not only was that song great, but the idea. That's very different. That's interesting, right? I've never seen that before. That's an interesting symbol to use for that. That has some very interesting imagery that that is very evocative that I just never would have thought of. Or, wow, that made heartbreak have a whole new light to me. I never thought of it that way. I don't know. Whatever the story is. Which leads to the last point that I want to talk about, which is great ideas... And ideas that will be executed well by you are two different things. So to take a ridiculous example, just to make sure this is extremely clear before we dive in a little deeper to what this means to us as songwriters. Let's say Honda, right? I think we can all agree that Honda generally makes solid, reliable cars. Now, if you're a car person, which I'm friends with some diehard car people, and I would consider myself a low-end car person, meaning I'm not really a car person, but I'm kind of interested. I can like talk cars for 10 minutes and then I'm about done. And I'm kind of interested. But once you start talking about parts of cars, once you get much past horsepower and handling, you start to lose me, okay? So no, I'm not talking about... I'm talking about if you buy a Civic generally, you know it's going to last a long time and it's relatively cost efficient relative to, I don't know, you might buy buy a Ford Fiesta brand new and somehow it's dead in three years. Probably hyperbole, you get my point. The point is most people trust the name Honda when it comes to making vehicles, whether correct or not, different discussion. But if they came up with a great serial idea, Yes, as in cold breakfast cereal. Even if it's brilliant, right? Maybe, maybe there's this, this whole thing that hasn't been explored that's super obvious. I don't know what that is, right? Let's say Cookie Crisp didn't exist or Oreo O's didn't exist and Honda came up with the idea. Is that really the company you want to implement that? Because what does Honda know about cereal, Right? Now, you might say, Joseph, that's a ridiculous example. Why are, we, why, why are we even talking about this? I know. I'm just trying to set the stage with something so obviously silly. So, I know I'm wearing my Broncos gear. It's a Sunday. 
So I'm wearing my Broncos gear. Also, I need a haircut badly, hence why the hat is on, because I am on camera and I try to, you know, look decent here. Decent. That's my bar. Decent. Feel like it's an easy bar to, to hit. So on that, and again, this can relate to any sport, even if you don't like football, this should make sense to you, right? So if you have an offense that is very good at passing, you have a very good quarterback and wide receivers, and you don't really have a good running back, and you don't have a great offensive line for run blocking, right? So if your strengths are passing instead of running, right? Even if you're not into football, you should understand that. Even if you would say, okay, it's a good general strategy and plan to keep running the ball to control the clock and then pass sometimes to get chunks of yards. And that strategy has been employed masterfully to win Super Bowls many, many a time, especially if it has good defense to complement it. But if your team is not equipped for that, you can't do that, right? It's like, let's say you do intramural volleyball. And you think, oh, well, a pretty good strategy, I think, would be, for example, which this is a good strategy, you figure out who's the weakest player on the other team, because this is just beach volleyball, intramural, pretty casual, right? Uh, so figure out the weakest player on the team, and you, as a team, determine you're going to hit every single ball at that person. That's smart sports strategy, right? Pick on the weakness until they can fix it. Sports in a nutshell. If you strategy at all but let's say your teammates can't aim the ball worth crap and they're just lucky to get it on the other side they couldn't begin to aim it specifically to one of the six players on the other side well that strategy is nice and all but now your players because they're trying too hard to place it and they're not very good at it and the person that sixth person is close to the sideline they just keep hitting the ball out well, that was a great idea, but the execution by your team, that's not going to work, right? And if your team is a bunch of taller people who maybe would have an easier time spiking the ball, perhaps that would be a better strategy for your team. If your team has a bunch of shorter people like me who can't spike the ball or who can barely spike the ball if they get a perfect jump, then maybe the placement route is the better way to go, right? Like no matter what in life, there's some level of... of Something can be a good idea, but it's not necessarily a good idea for a certain person, for a certain company, for a certain situation. For yet another example, this time we're going to actually get into music. If you think about different singers that fit very well into a certain genre, that doesn't mean that they should now change genres and they'd just be a great singer in that genre as well, right? For, for example, I would say Adam Levine of Maroon 5 has a great voice for pop music. He fits the Maroon 5 thing. I think he does a great job with that stuff. But you can actually listen to their original band. I forget what it's called. Something Flowers or... I forget what it is. When they tried to be like more straight up rock, it's like pop rock, but it was even more towards the rock than their earlier albums as Maroon 5. It does not work. It just doesn't work. His voice in that sound, in my opinion, doesn't work. There's a reason why they changed to Maroon 5, okay? And even that, even if you even if you disagree with me and you listen to it and you think, oh, that's, that's pretty good. I don't know what he's talking about. Can you imagine Maroon 5 trying to do, like, disturbed music? No, it would not fit, right? It just, it isn't the right fit 
for that voice. And the same can be true for writing, right? There are plenty of song ideas out there that could be great ideas, but because of my specific songwriter voice, I might not execute well, right? There's certain things that resonate with me that my personal experiences can allow me to be eloquent about certain things and to and to really spend time philosophizing and thinking on and and having relatively deeper more meaningful thoughts and and points about certain things than other things right so for example you know the idea of writing a song about you know a, a person who has just lost their daughter during childbirth or something. That is horribly tragic. On a human level, I can relate to that in a sense, but I'm not even a parent yet, right? So it would be easier for a parent, so maybe when I become a parent, I might be able to be better equipped to write that song then. Because even though I haven't lost my child, God willing, um, I still now have the relationship with a child to imagine losing that person, right? It's like you can imagine heartbreak a little better when you are in your first relationship, right? Once you experience it, it's that much easier, right? But the first step that you need is is to have that relationship or to have that child or whatever. So right now... I don't think I would be the right songwriter or I'm not in a place in life where I could execute well an idea, even if it's a great idea, around, say, a mother losing her child, right? It's not that I can't empathize with that. It's not that I don't think that that is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. I just feel that I haven't experienced enough of that side of life to empathize enough, to relate enough to execute that specific idea well, just like if you've never experienced heartbreak, you might not be very as you might not be able to execute the heartbreak songs as well, because maybe, you know, you had a high school sweetheart, you're together with them easy or your first boyfriend or girlfriend worked out, you're married easy, right? You might not be the right person to write a loss of love song, right? Which is not to say you can't, to be clear, you can, obviously, I'm just saying that we all have different experiences that make us better equipped for certain ideas than other ideas. And how good an idea is and how good an idea is for us are two completely different discussions. And that's this last wrinkle that I want to really hammer home here. You might have a great idea, but that doesn't answer the question, is it a great idea for you to execute well? Because we covered execution is all that really matters. Nobody gives a rip about how good your idea was when your execution sucks, right? Like, you don't go to Yahoo because you're like, hey, way back before Google came along and kicked your butt, or Ask Jeeves, I think is what it started with, ask.com now. You don't go to ask.com because you say, you had a great idea. We might not have search engines today if it wasn't for you. You don't give a crap. You go to Google again. In fact, you might not even go to Google. You have Google Chrome like everybody else does, like I do. And you just type it into the browser and you half the time forget that it uses Google. You just think Google's the only search engine, right? Which, by the way, is kind of terrifying because Google, yeah, people fear a lot in life. But man, Google owns a lot. 
I mean, email, search engine, things, scary stuff. Anyway, so good ideas, good song ideas, and song ideas in general are cheap. They're good to have. I want you to have them, but you should have a lot of them. You got to keep generating them, right? Don't, the big thing that I want here is for you to not sit back and think, oh, what a great idea. I'm done for today. That's not the attitude. It's not the attitude. The attitude is, oh, there's a good idea. Let's keep going. Let's keep going, right? More ideas, more ideas. Or maybe you want to start workshopping that idea. Maybe you want to go to step two of that lyric writing process. Again, free guide in the link of the description below. Uh, you know, that's the second step where you're sort of developing the idea. You, you, you grab some pictures from Google that sort of uh, evoke the emotions that you want the song to have. That way you sort of have a, because a painting says a thousand words, right? So you can sort of get these paintings to sort of get your tone uniform. Um, it doesn't have to be paintings, by the way. I just prefer paintings over photographs generally, but I use some photographs as well. Um, and of course you can do your own thing, right? Maybe for you, it's a movie soundtrack. It doesn't really matter. The point is, you know, this sort of that development stage before you go into that third stage which is where you actually start really writing the song. And to be clear, and I think I say this in that free guide as well, yes, there are always exceptions where you can totally skip stages, right? Sometimes you come up with a brilliant idea or you've just been heartbroken, right? And, and it comes together for you or, you know, you just had something tragic happen or you just had something really good happen, right? Maybe maybe your, your, your wife just became pregnant. Maybe your sister, you know, somebody you know, something really good happened to. You're really happy. You just got a, a, a raise at work. I don't know what, what it is. But something happens in life and you're excited or you're, and just the emotions are perfect that you can just boom, boom, boom. You know, you figure out the piano riff, you figure out the guitar chords, whatever you're working on you write half the lyrics the chorus is done within 10 minutes and and you know you really only have to do one draft and you somehow get it right the first time hey sometimes that happens right the point of rules is if you start with rules then you can learn when to break them but you do need to start with some rules just want to throw that out there anyway don't want to keep you any longer i know that some of these have been going longer lately and i see that we're hitting 30 minutes here and you know what? That seems like a good time to wrap up. So I hope you enjoyed this. If you're on YouTube, be sure to drop a like. It helps with the YouTube algorithm. Of course, if you did like this, which if you've been watching for this long, I imagine you did. Um, also, be sure to subscribe if you're on YouTube. Regardless of that, whether you're on podcast, YouTube, wherever you are, I appreciate you giving a listen. I appreciate you giving a watch. Again, six steps for lyric writing, which also applies to songwriting in general to some extent. Free link in the description or, um, yeah, description is also what it's called for a podcast. Be sure to grab that if you haven't. It is my personal favorite of my free guides. I think it is the best of the three if I had to choose. I use it myself if I'm being really honest. Um, and I've made it, so I know the stuff pretty well. But um, regardless, I do appreciate you for all your listens, all your watches, all the time that you have chosen to spend with me. I appreciate whenever you reach out to me via email. I appreciate all of you. If you do want to do something to give something back to me, something you can always do besides dropping a like if you're on YouTube is, of course, go and leave a podcast review, especially on iTunes. It is super helpful. I see those of you that have. I thank all of you. It's super awesome that you would leave a review. 
I appreciate that. That helps as well. I appreciate you and I will talk to you next time.